Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Casual Friday and welcome to our behind-the-scenes minis. I'm Holly Fry. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. Uh, Tracy, the first thing we talked about this week was the Anglo-Zanzibar War. Uh Uh-huh. Here is a true confession. I did not realize prior to working on this how much overlap there was between Arabic and uh, Zanzibari and, in fact, African culture further south than I would have thought. Oh, yeah? Like, I didn't realize that, I mean, there are still think pieces being written today about how Zanzibar's culture continues to be infused, you know, with the cultural um, kind of migration that happened with the Omani occupation. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one of those things that in my head, I think I had kind of partitioned off, like, the Arabian Peninsula and then Africa as two separate things. And I really didn't think about how much they obviously would have crossed over oh, yeah. and commingled. And in fact, you know, in many cases, because of of these occupations, families formed that were were inclusive of people from both of those cultures and then, you know, went on to shift the makeup of the the peoples that lived there. Uh, yeah, I was completely ignorant to all that. So, yeah. Uh, this is a the more you know moment in my life. What led you to picking this particular episode? Um, I really, really like looking a little bit more deeply at things that are often reported in those. I talk about it in the episode. Like, this appears on a list of, like, nutty moments in history. Oh, right. And it's like, that was people's lives. And I bet they didn't think it was nutty or hysterical. Right. You know what I mean? There was a lot going on there that we tend to when we do things like that, like make lists like that to gloss over and it gets easy to forget how important these moments are to actual humans, you know, in the contemporary setting. Yeah. Yeah. I look at those lists sometimes when I'm having, when I'm like struggling to pick an idea. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll go find some like kooky incidents in history list um, and see if there's something there that resonates. Because, like, sometimes those lists do have interesting topics. I might not have stumbled across myself, but at the same time, they are very glossed over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right, is that that there are often very interesting events that get included on those lists, but they're not really treated with a lot of depth, which is kind of just the nature of the beast. I'm not trying to dog any site that does those. or It's just... You can't really convey the nuance. And like in the case of of this, you see that it was a couple hundred years of like lead up and this battle over slave trade and cultures trying to manipulate one another in different ways that lead to that moment that seems sort of silly if you only look at it outside of context. Yeah, when you realize, like, there were, you know, familial issues among the Omani rulers and the sultan's lineage, which was not necessarily inherited the way we would think of in in the case of, like, a European royal house. And so that's why there were these contests for power at times in that side, as well as, you know, the British trying to manipulate who was going into power yeah. It's just a much a, a much more um detailed and I don't want to say nuanced again, but it, there are a lot of moving parts there that don't really get accommodated in a listicle. Yeah. Well, and there's also the 
the aspect that you brought up that I had not really thought about the British efforts to end the slave trade being rooted in an attempt to destabilize everything. Like, on its surface, that seems like a noble thing to be like, we're gonna, we want to end your involvement in the slave trade. But having as an underlying motivator of that being like... Because your culture will fall apart financially. Yeah, we can get a better foothold here if we force you to do this. Yeah, it would have been way more noble if they were like, hey, we really need to abolish the slave trade. We understand your economy is largely based around it. Here's how we could shift. (laughs) They don't ever introduce any of that. It's just, no, no. And now also you will have to pay taxes as a protectorate. Yeah. Uh, it, it starts to pretty quickly look like, oh, this may have been noble for some of the people involved that were pushing yeah. for this abolition, but ultimately it was also a power grab. Yeah, that it's like the opposite of what we talked about with Paul Cuffey uh, attempting to establish, like, other industries in places that had just been destroyed by the slave trade to, yep. to try to transfer people to a different economic source. Yeah, there was uh, none of that going on. The other thing that's sort of heartbreaking when I look at this, because you and I both, when we're looking at at a conflict like that or in a at some sort of uh, power struggle where multiple countries or states are kind of all jockeying to have power over one particular place, we try to look at all of the people's involved perspectives. Mm-hmm. But the trick with this one is that um, there are certainly a lot of of history on this written from the British perspective, and we have those treaties that that Britain and Germany and France participated in, as well as Oman. Um, and we uh, the journals of, for example, like Basil Cave are often referenced mm-hmm. to describe what went on. And then there are Arabic scholars who will talk about the history from that perspective. But what really, really, really gets lost is the perspective of the peoples that were descendant of the Bantu peoples that went to Zanzibar and oh, settled sure. it yeah, permanently. Yeah. We don't yeah. really have a whole lot of information on what they thought of essentially being set aside as like a figureheady, uh-huh. unimportant, you know, fairly powerless. Oh, yes, yes, you still have your kings and queens, but they can't actually do anything. They were right. still respected culturally, but they didn't really have much power. Uh, and so we lose that whole part of this piece of history because they kind of just got bulldozed. Yeah. Sorry to be a bummer. <laughs> well, uh, the, the other episode we did this week, uh, less of a bummer, I think, because it was the All-American Girls professional baseball team, um, which means we can talk about a league of their own. Yes. So, so we referenced Brittany De La Creta's, um article on the hidden queer history of a league of their own, which is very worthwhile reading. She yeah. did a lot of research, a lot of it with player obituaries, because a lot of the players are no longer living. Um, a lot of the players who are still living a lot of them didn't want to talk to her on record because, like, the, a lot of folks that are, like, grew up in the 40s and 50s um, are not really out today or are not as visibly out as a lot of people are today. So, like, there were a lot of, not a lot of people that wanted to talk to her on record. People did speak fondly about the movie, including, like, women who are out as lesbians today who, like, 
think of A League of Their Own very fondly as a film. And one of the points that was made was, like, the League existed in the time that it existed in. A League of Their Own existed, like, that was made in 1992 as a a feature film. Um, Like, so that existed in the time that it was. And so it makes sense um, that there's not, like, a lesbian presence in the movie. And as I was reading the article, I was like, wasn't there, though? Because I always interpreted little sister Kit as, like, the lesbian kid's sister. And so I went and rewatched A League of Their Own while I was, like, working my way all through this. And I realized I just mentally edited out uh, the entire before and after framework of the story, which is, like, involves her being married to a man and having a lot of children um, and grandchildren. And I think the problem was that um, I saw, even though it came out before, I saw A League of Their Own after having seen Tank Girl. So I think my perception was Uh, all uh, colored uh, uh, by... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My crush on Lori Petty. <laughs> I, I mean, she's just... darling. I get it. A hundred percent. Oh, I love her in that movie. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, League of Their Own is very popular at our house. I haven't watched it in a while, but Brian does quote it a lot. The one thing I also love that's an offshoot of it is seeing people at pop culture conventions like Dragon Con or Comic Cons mm-hmm. in Rockford Peaches uh, uniforms, which oh, is nice. the cutest yeah. stuff you could ever see on the planet. It's adorable. Yeah. Um, there's also a reboot of that coming to one of the streaming services. I don't remember which. I also wanted to take a minute to talk about, um, like we we mentioned in the show, that today it is still a stereotype about women in sports being lesbians. And of course, that is a stereotype. But also, there are lesbians. <laughs> like, And in my lifetime, we have gone from Billie Jean King being outed against her will in 1981 and it being an enormous scandal and her losing contracts. And like, she was later into her career at that point, but still, it was like damaging to yeah. her career hugely. In my lifetime, we have gone from that to Megan Rapino doing a cameo on the L Word Generation Q. Yeah. That is such a colossal evolution of women in sports, women athletes, uh, the perceptions of women in athletes, and specifically the perception of, like, lesbians as athletes, uh, which I find really moving and profound. It is. I mean, I... I it's one of those things where it's like we still have so far to go in so many ways. But when you point that out, it's it is it's very moving. It's like, oh, we're making progress. I know it's not as much progress as we need, but it's good. I feel compelled to also mention that I cried in the weirdest point imaginable in this (laughs) episode and had to stop. This is embarrassing, but I don't think it would surprise really anybody that knows me which is that I had a very hard time talking about A League of Their Own because I had to mention Penny Marshall, who I love. And so it makes me weep to think about her not being with us. I'm doing it now. And then I think about Carrie Fisher because they were best friends. And then I'm just a mess. (laughs) Um, Having just rewatched that movie literally a week ago, my personal opinion is I feel like it really holds up. I very much enjoyed watching it. At that point, it was on Showtime, but when I tried to find it again on the Showtime app, it, uh, my, you know, Roku was asking me if I wanted to rent it, and I was like, but 
but it was just on Showtime. So it may or may <laughs> not be on Showtime right now. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that is mostly behind the scenes about A League of Their Own. Anyway, I had a good time researching that episode. I'm glad that after just a lot of trying to figure out what I was going to talk about on the show next that I eventually arrived at that one because it was a lot of fun to research. Yeah. It kind of gave us a, a weird one-two punch of the week. Of like, a little bit, yeah. Here's a lot of discussion of conflict over slavery. Here is actually some pretty fun baseball talk with some sexism involved. Mm-hmm. Sexism yeah. and segregation and homophobia, but still fun sports story. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we'll... We'll see you again in a couple days. I mean, I guess tomorrow we'll be here for uh, Saturday (laughs) Classic. And then Monday we'll have another episode. (laughs) Anyway, if you'd like to send us an email, we're at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. And we like you. Subscribe to our show. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 